On this month's episode of Table Tennis Talk, we talk about recent tournaments, new equipment like the Tomokazu Harimoto Interforce ALC Blade, the World Championships coming up later this month, and we say the name Ma Long about 250 times in an hour. Welcome everyone to Table Tennis Talk. So happy that you're here. My name is Ryan Lewis, one of your co-hosts. I'm here with Joey Cochran. What's up, Joey? Uh, not too much. Just getting ready to do our podcast here. Yeah. First one that I've ever done. <laughs> I would say me too. I actually did a podcast years ago, but it was not. It wasn't legit at all. I was way too young and and way too inexperienced. I'm looking forward to this one. So it should be should be a lot of fun. I think it'll be good. You've got the expertise. I've got the radio voice uh, <laughs> and uh, should be a good combo. So let's start with introductions. I would let you go first, but your introduction is going to be way better than mine. So I'm Ryan. I am a table tennis enthusiast. Uh, I started playing at work maybe like three years ago and was interested in work, but then the Rio Olympics came on and I was able to actually see a bunch of pros in real time. And that totally got me pumped up. I like started working on my serve and, and learned a lot of things the wrong way. But, uh, when I moved to Utah, uh, met Joey, he started coaching me and now I'm like super into it. So that's good. I think that's actually pretty common. A lot of people, they, they start out at work or start out in their basement playing their neighbors or their family. And then they see some real good players on TV or on the internet and it's, it's easy to, to fall in love with it and just and get going. Yeah. So, so I started playing when I was six with my family. My dad got a table when I was pretty young and I had two brothers who liked to play. And so we played a lot at home and I think I was actually five. Danny C. Miller, he was the best player, one of the best players in the country at the time. And he moved to Indiana where I was from and he started a junior program and it was a really big deal at the time. And it, it really got us playing at the club and I took a lot of lessons from Danny and joined the junior team there. From there, I I started playing a lot. I, I played my first tournament when I was six and wow. yeah, it was, it was crazy. The first, the first tournament, I don't think I won a single game. Like <laughs> I didn't win any matches. I don't think I won any games either. And then several, several tournaments after that, I don't think I won any matches either. It's, it's hard. The first tournaments are hard, especially sure. when you're six. Especially <laughs> when you're six. Yeah. <laughs> but I loved it. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I love playing with my family. And I, I think I got my first sponsorship from Banda when I was eight, um, just two years later. What is Banda? They are a brand from Sweden. Hmm. They were owned by Stiga and... Okay. There was a U.S. distributor. They're not around anymore. Hmm. The Ping Pong Pioneers is what the distributor was. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they saw something in me and they sponsored me. And wow. I got all my equipment and things. Eight years old. Dang. And then I I loved it. That was, that was, that was I don't know. I, I thought it was really cool at the time. Yeah. And I still think it's really cool. But they saw something in me. I, I won 
a lot of junior Olympic medals. Uh, I think I won the under 10 gold, wow. under 12, under four, all the age groups. I think I won them eventually. And then I was on, I was a part of the U S national team for five years Dang. and I played in college. I've been coaching for a long time. I live in Utah now. I moved to Utah about six years ago and you were in Indiana before, right? Right. So I, I grew up in Indiana and I went to school in Indiana. I was part of the junior team in Indiana and South Bend. Hmm. Yeah. Then after I graduated college, I got a job in Utah and I started coaching here. I was actually coaching a lot in Indiana also, hmm. um, but there's a club here in Salt Lake. So it, it was a good fit. And yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. What are the differences between like playing in Indiana versus playing in Utah? The main difference for me is the amount of tournaments in the mm. Midwest. They're just tournaments almost every weekend. Mm. There are tournaments in the the mountain region, but the states are so big that they're hard to get to. The I mean, driving from Indiana to Ohio or to Kentucky or to Illinois, it's maybe a few hours. But yeah. driving from Salt Lake City to Arizona, I mean, it's like seven, eight hours yeah. one way. So it's a lot harder to get to tournaments. And we have a few in Salt Lake, but it's only a couple a year. Yeah. Where in in Indiana you can you can find twenty tournaments easy a year. Dang. The other big difference is the altitude. Oh, so yeah. the playing at higher altitudes is just it's a little bit harder. The ball travels a little bit faster, a little bit further than playing at basically sea level in Indiana. Hmm. That can be a little bit of a challenge for it's not a big challenge once you've lived here for a while, but Moving here or playing in tournaments at lower elevations, it, where they're more, where where tournaments are more common, mm-hmm. it's it takes a day or so to get used to the the elevation change, the difference in elevation. I've heard like with Olympic sports, but just like in general, sometimes people will come to uh, places with a higher altitude and train because then when they get to a lower altitude, it's so much easier because they've they've been kind of like. I guess oxygen deprived in like a higher altitude, but it's it's not the same in, in table tennis because the the way that the ball moves. Right. So that's it. That's actually pretty common. Um, the Olympic training centers in Colorado, where it's just it's way up. It's in Colorado Springs, Colorado, mm-hmm. where really high elevation. So it's really good for a lot of athletes for like running and swimming and um, just a lot of a lot of athletic sports where you don't have a variable like a, like a ping pong ball um, that travels differently right. at mm-hmm. higher elevation. So you can do that with table tennis as far as like oxygen, but the the ball just ch- it changes so much at elevation, especially in Colorado Springs. It's a really hard place to play. Huh. <laughs> That's interesting. You do see sometimes where if if like the World Championships is in is going to be in a high elevation you'll see players go to places like Colorado Springs and oh. and train there to try to acclimate to the elevation. Yeah. Um, but in general, that's not usually the case. Yeah. And so you don't really see that a whole lot. All right. So those are our introductions. Those are, that's, that's us. Um, let's talk about some news. Uh, so to start off, the Asia Cup ended last night for for us in America, um, I guess yesterday for, uh, Japan, Yokohama is where it was, uh, took place in terms of the placement. Fan Dong took first place, beating Ma Long 
four games to two. Uh, Malong came back. This is his second tournament back from a seven-month long injury, which second place is, is pretty dang good, I would say, for that. Uh, but Fan Zhendong won the Asia Cup last year. He won again this year. And, you know, Fan Zhendong and Ma Long are kind of the, the top Chinese players right now, especially since Zhang Zhike looks like he is not really going to try to come back anymore. It's interesting watching Ma Long play after his injury. He's just been so dominant. It was it was fun to see him play Fan Zhendong yeah. in the finals. It was, yeah. Have you ever had an injury like that? Um, I've hurt my shoulder, but not for seven months. I mean, maybe like three weeks, four weeks, maybe a month at the most, but nothing, nothing to that extreme. Yeah. I can't imagine. I mean, like Malong, that's his full-time job anyway. So, you know, even recovering is, is his full-time job. So I can imagine that it's, it's, it's gotta be really hard for him because, we want to play like yeah. Malang. He wants to play. You're you're an athlete. He's competitive, and to be not able to do that, it's it's got to be killing him. Yeah. Like when I moved to Utah, it was like playing tournaments almost every weekend, and then not playing any tournaments. It was yeah. just it was killer. It just it's hard. I'm sure he wants to compete, and yeah. he's he's hungry for it, and it kind of showed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For third place, Kokiniwa beat Tomokazu Harimoto. Uh, winning four games to two. And it was actually an interesting match because uh, midway through, Harimoto injured his fingers or his hand or something and actually had to call the referee to call some medical personnel to come and look at it. Um, it his, like, of course, the camera zoomed in while he was getting checked, and it almost looked like he was crying. Like, his, he, you could tell he was really, really upset. Um, the um, The Japanese... Uh, national team coach even came out at one point and talked to him about the injury. I think because the world championships are in two weeks. And so, you know, if he's in the middle of a match and he's injured, you know, should he keep playing the match or should he stop and just uh, um, withdraw from the match so that he could not make it worse for the world championships? Man, that's, that's rough. (laughs) That's another tough call. Like, do you, um, he wants to keep playing, so, yeah. but it might be better just to rest it. And I could even see, like, because when the when, – it was two Japanese players, so they didn't have any coaches out there, right? And so when the the head coach actually came out in between one of the games and, and talked to him, I kind of got the feeling that the national team coach was kind of trying to – I don't know. I mean, Harimoto is really young. He's 15 years old. So it's like, is he going to have the, uh, is he going to know when to quit? You know, like when I was 15 year old, 15 years old, I didn't have any experience to know like when to stop doing anything. Like I, I probably ate myself sick or I don't know, you know, skateboarded and did too many ollies and hurt myself. Like, so I, I, I kind of in, in that kind of situation, I kind of think about the national team coach being like, you know, extra careful, like extra asking, like, are you sure? Are you sure? Like, you know, you've got the national championships and, and uh, not national, the world championships and two weeks. Are you sure that you want to keep going? So a little bit of drama. (laughs) That's yeah, that's tough. I, I know for sure if I was out there playing, I would want to keep going. But like you said, I mean, 16 years old and how do you, 
how do you make that decision? So yeah. it might yeah. be best to just rest it. Yeah, with the um with the women's uh Zhu Yuling beat out Chun Meng four games to two. Um again, two Chinese players taking first and second. Uh, the third place was a little bit more of a wild card with uh, Kasumi Ishikawa from Japan playing um, Feng Qianwei from Singapore, um, and and Kasumi won that as well. Uh, but it was it was pretty close. They keep every, every single game um, went to deuce, which was crazy. Even the very last game, I think, and so it was like five games going to deuce. It was just kind of a bizarre kind of occurrence. Those kind of matches where they can just go either way. The, the pressure during those points, it's just, it, it's, it's tough to play in those. And after you win or after you, especially after you lose like a deuce game, mm. it's hard to not think about it going into the next games. And then sometimes you feel like you stole them, stole the game, or sometimes you feel like you gave it up and oh. it's hard to just focus on the next game after, after a close game sometimes. Huh. Huh. So that was the Asia cup. Uh, the cutter open happened last weekend and, uh, it, it's always funny cause like, uh, December and January and even February are pretty light months for tournaments, but I feel like, uh, March and the beginning of April has been crazy. Like we've got the Asia cup cutter open. We've got the world championships in two weeks. Um, the Japan top 12 and the marvelous 12 in China and the Europe top 16 have all been within two months. And it's just like, crazy trying to keep track of it all plus you got the u.s stuff with the pan am team trials that's and right the u.s team um selection and all the all the stuff here too that's crazy so the cutter open was um was i guess notable because Ma- that was ma long's return back from his um seven month uh recovery and he won the whole thing which recovery went well he really tore it up like just beating everybody like like he like he used to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he beat um Lin Yen in the end. Um Lin Yen got second. And then for the women, um Wang Manyu beat um Liu Xiwen, which uh Wang Manyu was was really killing it last year. She was she won a lot of championships, a lot of tournaments. Um and Liu Xiwen is is Sounds like she's getting a little bit older at this point. Uh, I was reading an article where um, Ma Lin is actually her coach right now. Um, and they were talking about how uh, her previous play style was she was young and really energetic. And now she has to kind of lean more on her experience and, and like understanding of the game, um, which is a big, which is obviously a big change for someone uh, to, to go from kind of maybe like the Harimoto style of like can just loop endlessly um, to like having to be more smart about things with the, maybe the T-Mobile style and having to psych out your competitor. So yeah, cutter open, uh, very interesting. Uh, let's talk about some equipment. Uh, April 1st, some new equipment came out the uh, from Butterfly. Um, the, uh, Tomokazu Harimoto blade, uh, Tomokazu Harimoto Interforced ALC, I believe it is, um, is a new blade that came out. And at the same time, the Dignix 05 came out from Butterfly, both of those available on April 1st. Uh, and a lot of professional players are already using Dignix 05. It looks like Harimoto is using it on his backhand, um, Kinta Matsudaira, who, 
uh, kind of has for the past year has been coming in and out. He was he he maybe that they made a big deal about the actual uh, announcement of the Chinese lineup. Um, it's got all the ones you would expect: Ma Long, Fan Zhendong, Ding Ning. Uh, some an an interesting omission uh, for the women's side is uh, Zhu Yuling, who just won the Asia Cup. Number two in the world, I think. Number two in the world is not being sent uh, for the women's singles, which I'm not sure if that was like a political move or if it was, I mean, the team already, the women's team already is so strong. So maybe they just thought they didn't need her, but it still seems weird. Number two in the world. She is playing doubles with, with Chun Meng, but it still seems, yeah, it definitely seems odd that she's not um, in, in the women's singles. That is, that does seem kind of kind of odd. It's kind of one of those things where when when you see really great players and the the national team doesn't think they need to send them, it's almost like only in China would something like that happen. Yeah, as as someone from America, you just expect the top top three, top four players to all just play all the things that they can. But um, I think they maybe want to get some other players with some experience in the singles and. They're probably pretty confident that they can they can win it all anyway. So why not? <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it's a style thing. Maybe maybe um, did did Zhu Yuling lose any matches recently to like the Japanese or? Um, well, I I believe there was there was there was a tournament recently. I think maybe it was a Swedish Open. I may be wrong on this, but Mima Ito went through and she beat all the Chinese women players that she went up against. Uh, I, 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 I think Zhu Yuling was in there, but there was a lot of other in there. Um, a lot of other women players in there that she beat. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure if it, if it has anything to do with that. Yeah. Maybe it isn't style then. Maybe it's just experience. I don't know. They have, they have a system that they choose and it works for them. So (laughs) how can you blame them? Yeah. Yeah. I think regardless of the lineup, um, you can almost guarantee a Chinese player at, at least in the finals, if not winning the finals. Uh, another another thing that I another notable uh, part of the Chinese lineup is one of their mixed doubles pairings is Fan Zhendong and Ding Ning, which s- seems crazy. I I don't I don't actually know if I've seen Fan Zhendong play in a doubles team almost ever. I can't remember the last time. I don't know if I've ever seen it either. They are both number one in the world for men and for women. So, <laughs> I mean, putting the top two in the world, the top in the world for each um, makes sense to me. I don't know. <laughs> it should be interesting. It should be fun to watch them. Yeah, for sure. definitely. Uh, the Japanese lineup also, um, I think a few days after the Chinese lineup came out, they also announced their lineup in in, in kind of a press release format, uh, trying to make a big deal out of it. Um, in terms of notable things, you've got who you would expect in the men's singles, the Tomokazu Harimoto, Kokiniwa, Junmizutani, and women's, you've got Kasumi Ishikawa and Mima Ito and Miyu Hirano. Um, some interesting things is they, they actually did the Japanese top 12. They did a part of that tournament to decide who was going to be the fifth player in the singles. And so in the men, uh, Masataka Morizono won, and for the women, Miyukato won. 
so that was kind of interesting that they kind of made it a little bit more, I guess, egalitarian or democratic democratic to get into that uh, lineup. Uh, one thing that I, I noticed that was really interesting is that Hina Hayata was not a part of the women's uh, singles team, and she's actually uh, really high up in the world. Um, she actually won the gold at the Oman Open, like, I don't know, uh, at the end of last year. Uh, but she's not even on the team. Um, she was a part of the of the tournament of the Japanese top 12 to be able to get that fifth spot. Uh, but I almost thought that she would be just a part of the team regardless. Like she would have just been one of the one of the picked ones. Instead, it seems like in her place, they picked uh, Hitomi Sato, which um, who is, is a good player, but has mostly mostly been playing the challenge tournaments not like the main tournaments um, on the world tour. And she's also um, she's also a chopper, which is an odd like an odd offering uh, for the world um, for the world championships. So I always like to see choppers playing. Um, their style to me is probably the most exciting style. I love watching them play way back from the table and just getting everything on and the other side just ripping them and trying to trying to pound through the choppers it's to me i love i just love watching choppers play my brother is actually a chopper and oh wow he's he's fun to play against and he's fun to watch i, I just any chopper in general I, I love watching him play yeah the uh korea has a big one um sa hyowon and she'll probably be um coming and then uh japan has hitomi sato and then there's another one um Honoka Hoshimoto, I think, I think is her name, and they've been wanting they've been winning a lot of those challenge tournaments. But it it seems like maybe the um, the prevalence of choppers in kind of like the main event has maybe been going down. Mm-hmm. Juicy Hook is not playing, um, is he? I don't think so. So Juicy Hook from from Korea, one of the one of their best choppers. Doesn't look like he's on the roster this year for Korea. Hmm. Um, I was I was actually looking forward to seeing him play again, but um, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with him. Yeah, but it doesn't look like he'd be playing. So uh, one of the other notable things is um, in terms of the mixed doubles, which is kind of always interesting because you see players who you see men and women players who aren't normally playing together or playing against each other. Um, the Japanese lineup, they have uh, Tomokazu Harimoto and Kasumi Ishikawa, uh, which is, to me, seems like a really interesting combination. Kasumi Ishikawa is left-handed, so it kind of makes sense in terms of the right-handed, left-handed. Um, but I think there's 11 years in between them. Like, Harimoto is 15, and I think Kasumi Ishikawa is uh, 26. <laughs> so it's, it's quite interesting to see, like, the age difference between them. That's that's a big advantage though having a righty lefty combo. Each player can kind of just work their forehand in, and you don't really get into each other's way when you have that lefty righty combo. So, all the best, all the best doubles teams in the world's, all the best doubles teams in the world will play right left, right hand, left hand. Got it. Uh, so, any other interesting players that you're uh, interested in? Um, I always like to see uh, Dmitry Ovtrov play from Germany. Um, Liam Pitchford, I'd like to see how he does and see if he can knock off some some Chinese players again um, from England. He beat Ma Long um, a 
few sometime last year. Yeah, that was that was awesome. I think yeah. that was right before his injury, actually. <laughs> Don't blame it on the injury. <laughs> yeah, maybe that maybe it wasn't an injury after all. Maybe it was just punishment. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing um, Hugo Calderano from Brazil. He uh, he he's been he did so good last year. I think he went from somewhere in the twenties to now he's in the top ten. He, even though like, I think, I think I saw him play in the cutter open and he didn't do so well. Uh, but he's, he's always, he's always really good. He's, he'll be surprising who he beats. Yeah. And you know, Timo Bolt, I don't know how he still isn't like, he's number five in the world right now. Um, I'd like to see, I like watching the Germans play. Uh, I've always been a big fan of Timo. So I'm a little surprised that he's number five in the world right now, but you think you higher or lower? I think he should be lower, maybe oh. maybe top twenty, but mm. probably not top five. <laughs> Got it, we'll see though. I mean, maybe maybe I'd like to see him win. So I don't think he's ever won awards. Wow, never won awards. I maybe maybe he has. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think he has though. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, for the ladies, um, Bernadette Socks. Uh, She's all always really fun to watch. Uh, very emotional player. Um, she yells a lot and and has a really good forehand. Um, hopefully, she'll do well against the Chinese players. So that should be interesting. I mean, and also the U.S. I mean, the U.S. players with Kanak and Lily. Um, I'd like to see Lily do well. I'd like to see Kanak do well. Um, and they they really have a good chance of of making their mark this year. I mean, Lily's been playing a lot and like you said, in India and um, really devoting a lot of time to playing and practicing and competing. So if she can win some tough matches here, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Yeah. And school's over. So no more finals to study for. Uh, and she could just focus just on table tennis. So that's awesome. Yeah, seriously. Okay. So we are going to, we're going to try this out. We are going to, we're going to make predictions on what the top three are going to be for men's and women's singles. And um, in the next podcast, we are going to see how we do. Um, Joey, what, who are your predictions for the men's singles? So for the men's singles, I've got Fan Zendong winning the whole thing. Um, he just beat Ma Long pretty handily. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, I mean, he's number one in the world. I, I just, I think he's going to win the whole thing. Mm. Uh, for second place, I have Shu Shin. Um, a lot of people I think are, are rooting for Ma Long to, mm. to, to do well. And I actually am too. I love watching Ma Long play. He's one of my favorite players. I don't think he's going to perform as well, uh, in, mm. in this world as, as he has in the past. Yeah. Um, I have Shushin playing, uh, I have Shushin getting second. Um, yeah. he's just, he's an awesome player and I think he'll, I think he'll do well. And then third place. I have I actually have Harumoto getting third Got it. from Japan. So China, China, and Japan. Yeah. So that's that's how the uh, Asia Cup just ended for men's and women's singles. So cool. Um and then for women's I have Ding Ning, number one in the world again. Um she, she's just she's the best player in the world and yeah. I think she's gonna win the whole thing. Hmm. Um I have Mima Ito as second place. 
Um, she's been doing really well lately. Yeah. She's been beating a lot of really good players. Um, I love watching the Japanese play, so I'm a little bit biased towards them. <laughs> um, so I have her coming in second place. I actually, I kind of want her to win first, but I just yeah. don't think she will. Yeah. Um, and then for third place, I have Manu Wong. Um, and yeah, just another great player. It's, it's always tough to pick third place. Yeah. Uh, it's tough for any of them, but, um, I have, I have her coming in third. Cool. Cool. Good. Uh, strong predictions. Um, so, so for me, I, I have, so uh, for men's singles, who do you have for men's singles? Yeah. So for men's singles, I have Malong taking first place. Um, I, I, I feel like even though I would love to see somebody else, I, I love to watch Malong play, but I would also love to see somebody different in first place. I just feel like even though I hope one thing, I, I expect another thing. <laughs> so I think Malong, he just got beaten by Fan Jindong. He's going to be looking for payback. Oh man, payback so hard. Um, but I definitely think that Fan Jindong will, it, I feel like it'll both definitely be them in the, in the finals again, just like the Asia cup. And I think Malong will take it. So Fan Jindong number two, and then, my kind of wild card pick is Hugo Calderano for third. Um, he is like, it, he will have amazing tournaments and then he will have like just kind of mediocre tournaments. And I feel like he's going to be so pumped up for this, these world championships. He's going to, he's going to surprise everybody. Um, for, for women, we've got, uh, I've got um, Wang Manu coming in number one. Um, she just every tournament she played in last year, she was taking the gold. And so I I just have a strong feeling that even though she hasn't done much in the past few months, I feel like she's going to she's going to come up. Um, and then uh, I I have Lu Xuan for number two. She hasn't been doing so great recently, but um, Ma Lin has been doing like has been coaching her like has been her main coach. And so I just feel like. Uh, she's got the experience. She definitely has won a lot of tournaments. She has the right coach. Malin is right. One of the best players ever. Right. So, so, so I, I, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with her for second. Um, I, I think, I think Ding Ning will be beaten by either Wang Manu or like Lu Xuan. I think that Ding Ning could beat anyone outside of China, but like. I, I just in the in the past that's why I didn't I didn't put her in the top even though yeah she is number one in the world she is crazy good. Um, so who I, do you have as number three then? Yeah, number three I had Mima Ito, and I wish Mima Ito would win it all, but when she beat all the Chinese players, she became like target number one, right? Right. As soon as you beat one of the Chinese, especially like all of them, like she did, yeah. or pretty much all of them, you're you're there's a target on your back, and yeah. they're going to be coming for you. They're going to be playing. Um, specifically to beat you. So yeah, <laughs> that's what they did to Miyu Hirano. She came, I think she came over and played in one of the leagues and beat all the, beat a bunch of Chinese players, and she was like target number one. They and, can study her. They can yeah. have players play with her style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. As soon as you, as soon as you show how good you are, they <laughs> they know who to beat. They know they have someone to play for. Yeah. Okay. So we're locking these in. And in the next podcast, in the next episode, we are going to revisit these and see how we did. 
All right, now it is time for Joey's Coaching Corner. Joey's Joey, Coaching what, Corner. All what right. you got for us? So this is really for any level. When you're at your local club or if you're watching the pros play, um, the best players that you see are generally getting their first attack in, especially the, the better player almost always gets the first attack. And so my, my coaching tip of 